Welcome to the Wiener Schnitzel Franchise Development Podcast. Today, as our guest, we have President and COO J.R. Glardy, like one of a family member of the founding family of the Wiener Schnitzel um, Hot Dog and Tasty Freeze franchise based in LA. We're really excited to talk to JR about this um, collective experience that our whole society just went through and how it impacted the Wiener Schnitzel brand. Wiener Schnitzel, for those of you who aren't familiar with Wiener Schnitzel, is a more than half a century old brand based in LA that really is the main reason why people in LA eat more hot dogs than any other city in the United States, which is a just shocking statistic when you think about hot dog cultures. But um, you can talk to the like most health conscious person who grew up in California, anywhere else in the country. If you mention the word Wiener Schnitzel, they, they get super nostalgic. Like it is absolutely a way of life the foods and the products and the culture of the brand and it's it's a really fun brand and in today's market it's super highly differentiated it's a really niche brand with some really special products they provide something very different in the fast service market and you know most importantly for people thinking about expanding their portfolio wiener schnitzel's had eight amazing years of same store sales growth so it's a definitely a brand moving out of its historic california footprint and it's definitely a brand with some really compelling business value propositions for investors and food operators. So, JR, thank you for joining us. We're really excited to have this conversation. Thanks for today. having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit just first off. Like, um, you know, Wiener Schnitzel um, is, is one of the few food brands and franchising that did remarkably well during this time period. Like it, um, you know, sales were off everywhere and Wiener Schnitzel was no different in that. But you actually like learned a lot and had some amazing kind of breakthroughs and in general, like customers responded to the food in really positive ways. Do you want to chat a little bit about what, what you learned kind of from yeah. a big picture? What did you see? Sure. I mean, it's been a roller coaster, this whole thing. Nobody knows it's a it's a foreign experience to everybody, so it's it's definitely been a pretty steep learning curve, kind of navigating through this pandemic. But we're fortunate enough to have a business model that is ideal for the situation at hand. Now, with all the the restaurants, the dining restaurants, and the fast casual kind of hitting a roadblock because they're only sit down and take out, we have a drive. I mean. On average, 60, 65% of our business in a normal week runs through our drive-through. So we are already situated for the drive-through customer. Now it's ramped up to about 95% of our business due to dining room closures. Wow. But throughout this whole time, I mean, we've had to kind of shift our operations a little bit, but overall we were ready and we've been able to stay afloat and navigate and actually thrive during this whole process. It's been pretty unreal. Yeah. I mean, if I think about the, when you say you have an ideal business model, I think that's a little of an understatement. <laughs> the original Der Wiener Schnitzel hot dog A-frames that are like, you know, iconic part of American architecture on the West coast. Um, you know, it was like a, a walk up takeout stand where you walked up and took your food with you. And a lot of your models today still have a walk-up window or have a small dining room, and the drive-through is certainly really heavy. And in some cases, I believe you even got into third-party delivery. You just have a model um, that is very convenient and easy for people to, to get to. Like it, like it's yeah, unlike a lot of other brands. Yeah, not only easy I mean, for the for the customer, but we're we're typically on a small footprint on those walk-up drive-through A-frames with no dining room, so you can run it with basically a skeleton crew. So your labor is minimized heavily from those typical dine-in restaurants. So 
and is just skyrocketing through the roof, we can actually run a high volume restaurant with less employees than your average QSR. So not only is it easy and convenient for the customer, but for the franchisee and the employees, they're so used to working in that small space at a high volume that, I mean, it's just business as usual. It's great. Yeah. You know, in a, in, in social distancing era, or just in generally the way people have changed their ideas and expectations from restaurants of all sorts, you know, like all of a sudden, a model that was kind of mostly mothballed for a lot of brands that kind of walk up takeout window without a dining room, that, like suddenly is a relevant idea for you. Almost you might reconsider developing yeah. some of those um, and they might actually do better, you know, than, than a brand that had a huge yeah. dining room. Funny enough, a few years ago, probably six years ago, so the, the A-frame is illegal to build these days due to building codes and fire codes and things and the storage is upstairs and it's a ladder to get up there. It's just, it's not ADA compatible, just illegal on every level. So what we did is we reimagined that business model in what we call the heritage building, which is the same kind of structure as an A-frame. It's a walk-up and drive-through only. We have some with small dining rooms, but it can fit on that off-corner lot, small footprint. It can facilitate heavy traffic, smaller kitchen, so you can run it with a small crew. So we kind of had already started developing more of those buildings, and then that was our growth model leading up into this pandemic. So it was it was unintentional that this was going to hit, but we were already prepared with our expansion moving into it. And the, and the obvious advantage of a, of, of a business model that has small or no dining room, it's way less construction costs. You know, small, easier real estate, easier build out. You know, it should be, in a lot of cases, a way to find like a niche real estate location that, that might work um, a little better, you know, in the scheme of things. Um, talk a little bit about... Um, were there any technology pieces with Wiener Schnitzel, like um, you know, any kind of systems you had that helped you get your your franchisees get through um, this this kind of era that we just went through, where that helped customers uh, more conveniently order, or were there any kind of technology pieces of the Wiener Schnitzel model that really kind of came? I mean, to the, the main one that kind of everyone is utilizing is that third party delivery with your Uber Eats, your DoorDash, yeah. your Postmates, etc. Um, so we had started implementing that a couple of years ago, and it it was a slower process just due to the fees that they charge. But recently, we've had a spike in signups, and now a high percentage of our restaurants are running third-party delivery services. And it is it's a segment of our business. However, with the drive-through, it's not as large as a as a, of a segment as say like your Chipotle's or your places that don't necessarily have that drive-through capability. So although it's helpful, yeah. it's not necessarily what we're relying on, which is ideal because your profitability comes from your margins. Uh, your margin gets eaten into with those third-party delivery companies just due to the fees that they charge you. So we would rather yeah. have that drive-through customer, but the technology has helped just being on that platform. It's a sense of advertising, right? So, just letting people know, oh, within five miles of here, there's a Wiener Central because I see it on my Postmate app or my DoorDash app. Okay, so maybe I don't want yeah. to order it, but now it's the brand is top of mind for a meal occasion later down the line. So it's great, you know, and a lot, a lot of food brands are passing on some or all of the commissions through higher pricing on those too, which is what we see. Yeah, happening. yeah, it is a really like good customer acquisition. 
Yeah, which is, um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that's a bad idea because <laughs> it does improve the profitability. No, and, I mean, you convenience customers are, otherwise you're just yeah. Yep, and you know, customers. I mean, the market has proven if one thing, the market's definitely proven that customers will pay for the convenience. You know, like that's certainly if I was a wiener sizzle franchisee today. Yeah, your bargain hunter, like coupon cutting customer, isn't the same customer browsing DoorDash. You know, so no, you can be a little less price sensitive when it comes to those things. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, menu engineering and this, the design and scope of your menu. You know, like when we would say that uh, you know the core menu is is a, like almost a comfort food Americana type menu needed. Um, you know, and we were yeah. in this period where um, comfort food and and kind of frozen desserts, in particularly the the tasty freeze segment of your business. You know, people like really wanted comfortable, f- familiar foods. They wanted convenient foods. You know, some people would cook 50 or 60 meals in a row and they were just tired of using their kitchen. So, you know, it's, I can see where like the, the family kind of style, like where you have, you know, individual meals, but you have a lot of just already at the beginning of this, you already had a menu that geared towards larger ticket orders and bigger volumes of things. And I, I know from the time we spent together that it's not uncommon for, you know, people at a workplace or in an office environment to buy 20 or 30 or even sometimes 50 hot dogs and put them in the freezer. You have like one of the only fast food food items I can think of that you could hoard up, you know, and, and stockpile. Oh, like yeah. It's like a, like oh, the, and people do. A, <laughs> yeah, you know. They do. Yeah, I mean. It's crazy, it's, yeah. yeah but, it's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, one, like our menu is designed to order in quantity, right? We have family packs. We have bundle deals like 5 for 5 95 5 for 6 95 things like that, where you can mix and match and take a bunch of food for a lower price. But the second thing you hit on, I mean, it is Americana, it is nostalgia. And if you think about a hot dog throughout history, I mean, if you ask anybody what comes top of mind when you think about a memory with a hot dog, it's a sporting event, a barbecue, you know, time with your family. It's it's always a, a positive memory. So in a time in a pandemic where everything is so unknown and you're quarantined and you're not really sure what's going on out there, you kind of look for those things that bring you positive memories and comfort. And a hot dog is one of those things. And not only can you get it in a bulk and it'll hold for a pretty reasonable amount of time, you can stock up your refrigerator, you can stockpile it. But I mean, there's studies that show food, a bite of food or the smell of a certain food item will bring back that kind of dopamine rush that you got from a specific memory of your life. And so we're lucky enough that our brand kind of hits on all of those at the same time. Oh yeah, for sure. Like now it's summer, it's starting to get warm, and people are thinking hot dogs and ice cream because we're not going to the beach. We're not yeah, doing some of the cookouts our, we've been with missing. Our tasty freeze platform. I mean, if you look around, most of those ice cream shops were closed, and so people were still yeah. they still wanted that ice cream. And you know, it's summer, it's hot. They want that treat, and so our tasty freeze sales skyrocketed during the pandemic because there was really no other options out there. Yeah, that's, um, I know it is with my own family here in Tennessee, where we're based, we, um, man, the trip to the ice cream place where we could get it was like the highlight of the week. You know, that was like the one joyful kind of moment that we could say where you just kind of forget a lot of the stress and worries and ice cream just puts a smile on everybody's face and tasty freeze. 
Um, it's like the, one of the most awesome frozen desserts in the U.S. market. You know that kind of kind of the way it's stacked up, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's that bigger than life kind of frozen dessert. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the integration of Tasty Free because that's not you know that came later in your history, but that's been transformative for franchisees. Like that's almost like you have two businesses now that are both really really oh, attractive yeah. for an operator. Yeah, I mean, we acquired Tasty Freeze probably about 15 years ago. Um, to put a brand name onto our ice cream. And it was a slow start, but now it's a significant segment of our menu. I mean, we're running on average about 10% of sales is our Tasty Freeze products. And so that's a, that's a pretty good segment of your overall sales mix. And so we see it grow year over year over year over year. I mean, it's not slowing down. It's just constantly increasing. And I would imagine that that's, um, you know, you, you have interesting day parts. You don't really do breakfast, but you... It seems like you have a lot of growth in the afternoons and evenings, and a good bit of that's got to come from Tasty Freeze. Like, how, how has it impacted the sales during the day for a typical franchisee? I mean, it's, a, it's kind of exactly how you would think, right? On a hot day, midday, yeah. you're going to sell more ice cream than if it's raining outside, or if it's a cold night, yeah. you're going to sell less. You know, it, it's a, it's, it follows exactly what you think it would. But it's funny you mentioned breakfast. <laughs> The stores that are open for breakfast and do serve breakfast, we actually sell more chili dogs and corn dogs and hot dogs and breakfast items because traditionally the people who are coming in that early are getting off a night shift and are actually like having their dinner, you know, or it's guys coming in, <laughs> heading to work early in the morning and stocking up for their lunch. So although yeah. we do have some breakfast stores, people still come in. So like you'll have somebody order Tasty Freeze at nine o'clock in the morning because they're getting off the night shift and they just want something, you know, tasty before heading home. Yeah. You know, and the, the typical chili cheese dog, if I remember right, is a little under 300 calories. I mean, it's not like for fast food options. It's, it's actually a lower calorie, um, fairly healthy thing to eat compared to like a huge hamburger that's 1200 calories. You know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a pretty um, competitive product. Absolutely. I mean, we've been, battling this halo around a hot dog that has a negative perception. And it's one of the goals we have as a company is to change the perception of the hot dog. I mean, we know our hot dogs come from quality cuts of meat. It's a very, I mean, my Doug Kegabine, my head of marketing, calls it an Epicurean process making of the hot dog. I mean, it's something you can't do at home, yeah. right? Like you have to have these quality cuts of meat and then you have to grind it down. And then you have to put it in a casing and you steam it. I mean, the whole process is, unless you have some specialized equipment at home, it, it's actually quite difficult to make and pretty amazing. Whereas like a hamburger, you ground beef, throw it on a, throw it on a grill and you're done. But we're low calorie, high quality. I mean, it's the same as eating like a, like a Subway sandwich, right? That Those cuts of meat are processed meat. So it's just the negative halo around it. And it's something we're working on. Um, changing is just educating people on the truth because you're 100% right. It's a low, lower calorie item than, I mean, you go to Chipotle and get one of those <laughs> burritos or bowls, you're pushing probably a thousand calories if you load it up. At least. Come get a chili dog, like you said, you know, a couple hundred calories and you're full. Yeah, and, and as, an, as a food operator, myself even, Wiener Schnitzel, um, you know, it's not burgers, chicken, and pizza. I mean, it's, if I look around a typical US um, DMA, there, there aren't hot dog. They're just, they're just aren't, <laughs> you know, it's one of those food items that everybody can immediately associate with. It's the ultimate comfort food that brings immediate nostalgia. And it just, 
you know, I think it's a real underserved market for an operator who wants to expand. I think a Wiener Schnitzel franchise with Tasty Freeze is a really smart thing to bring, especially since there's so many California transplants everywhere else in the U.S. now that you have like innate buying public in almost any city in the United States today. Uh, would you agree with that? Exactly. I'm a hundred percent. I mean, the most common question I get out there is like, well, who's your largest competitor? It's like, well, I mean, there's two ways to look at it, right? Like, Every restaurant is a competitor because you're competing for a share of stomach in that meal occasion. But when it comes to just, you know, item for item competitor, there really isn't many. You could argue Sonic, you could argue like maybe Dairy Queen, but there really isn't anybody in our category to compete with. So if you're franchising a new market, I mean, you're going to dominate that market, right? Because there isn't anything like it. As a franchisee, you're pretty safe. Right. There's a lot of concepts where depending on the real estate, what you're looking at, you get excluded. Right. Like if you're a burger concept and there's already a burger concept in there, sometimes on the lease, they won't let you in. But there's rarely a hot dog concept in those centers. So when you're searching for real estate as a potential or new or existing franchisee, you have a lot more options on where to expand into. For sure. You know, and, and one of the um, th- things we've learned, you know, and whenever society goes through these big events like uh, happened in September 11th or the housing bust, um, franchising historically has rebounded hu- in a huge ways. You know, franchising, if all these people who, um, whether they were in food service or not already or already in business ownership or looking around going, gee, you know, I want to have a little more work-life balance. I want to get back to something more entrepreneurial. If I've been a manager of a big multi-unit chain, this might be a good time for me to step up to ownership, you know, whatever the the case is. You know, historically, franchising really booms after something like this. And we're certainly seeing that now with a lot of the uptick we're seeing with um, what's going on on the development side. Um, but what, what did what would you want somebody to know about what – kind of manifested itself internally in Wiener Schnitzel. Like, I know you guys have had, always had a family-style culture in this brand. It's really unique in the way that um, everybody says, well, we have a family of franchisees, but you guys are legitimately a family, <laughs> like the real deal. Your mom yeah. worked here, your dad. You know, it's all kind of going on, and you extend that to the franchisees, and the franchisees really like the culture of Wiener Schnitzel. And then, so in what ways was this kind of a, a really, f- like a finest hour for Wiener Schnitzel, and it's the franchise part of its business? Yeah, I mean, when when you hit hard times, families band together. And like you said, I mean, we are a family business, right? My dad founded it. Like, my mom works in the business. I work in the business. My sister was running philanthropy. Like, we are a family business. We treat our GGI, our Galardi Group corporate employees, like their family. We treat our franchisees like their family. We actually call them the Wiener fam. And we <laughs> want to get through this together. So you, in hard times, as a family, you band together and you help each other out, whether that is internal in the franchise community of, you know, people lending other people product or things like that, going back and forth, giving them tips on hiring and what they're doing to combat all the labor shortages and things like that. Or for us, I mean, you know, we, we came in and we lowered the royalty to 4% for a month. And when we were on the lease, we renegotiated those leases or at least attempted to, to lower rent for franchisees. So we, we got in there, we got our hands dirty, we tried everything we could to help the franchisees out as well as coming up with different offers and marketing. And, you know, my phone is on all the time. I feel calls from franchisees any time of the day or night, you know, preferably not in the middle of the night, but it's on. It's ready. So, 
it's just it's a typical family environment and anybody coming in i mean we we do a thorough process to make sure that they're going to fit the company culture whether that's somebody working in the corporate office or a franchisee coming in wanting to build the brand out and so it's not just you know we'll take your money and here's a restaurant right you have to fit the culture and the culture is a loving family a loving family for sure but also a performance culture i mean you, you definitely have been focused on improving metrics and improving customer relationships and innovating on the menu even though you know we think you know how innovative can you be with a hot dog menu <laughs> and tasty freeze there's you guys have been uh, it's in how you engineer your menu and how you help produce products that are you know we like i you go in and you see that tray of corn dogs and fries and chili dogs and it just makes your mouth water <laughs> you know it's um you know it's just it's a fun kind of event to go to a tasty freeze um one of the things that i've seen you know an eater um the kind of food publication is publishing lists of restaurants that close in every city and it's it's just a long list of really depressing stories where um, for the most part, non-franchise operations are ceasing to operate. Corporate-run, mom-and-pop businesses, one-off kind of units of things. What you don't see on those lists are franchise locations. We've had very, very little shutdown in the franchising space um, compared to the larger restaurant ownership group as a whole. And some of that's, I think, would you say, like in Wienerschnitzel, is that because franchisees um, just have a better kind of culture backing and a better culture of support, and they're just going to weather this kind of a storm and come out healthier on the other end? For sure. I mean, there's two different ways to look at it, right? Like most franchising, at least in our industry, is drive-through based business model. So that's going to help you get through that immediately. But the other part, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, is you have this huge support system behind you that you don't necessarily get as a mom-and-pop business, right? So yeah, you have to pay a royalty, but like I said, like we cut our royalty. We got on the phone and renegotiated the leases that we were in control of, right? You have these people behind you coming up with marketing materials, doing analysis based off of the market and coming up with advertising strategies based off of that and different coupon offers. And you have this band of other people in the same boat with you, your other franchisees and your wiener fam that you can communicate with during this period of time, get that support. And, you know, it's just, it's like you just have a huge backing. And that, I think, helps a ton. Where if you're just a mom and pop, you're out there on your own and it's tough. And maybe you're newer to this. So you don't know anything outside your restaurant. And so you don't know how to get the analytics based off of your area and what's happening and things like that and how to advertise to the people around you and stuff. You know, it's tough. It's really tough. So having a franchise system behind you especially in these hard times is, I mean, it's priceless. And have you heard much from um, customers and how they related to you during all the various stages of this crisis? And you've just, we've begun to open back up, like what, what's the feedback from your core customers been? You know, it, we've had a lot of positive feedback, especially we implemented a lot of, a lot of things to help them feel safer at restaurants, right? Like our, our, yeah. Crew members are required to wear masks and they're sanitizing constantly. And we did touchless payment where we have the credit card terminal and the drive through outside so that they can just put their credit card in, type it in, take their credit card out so that our crew member isn't touching it and everything. And then we sanitize the credit card terminal immediately after each car, right? So we're trying our best to make our customers feel safe. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback because of that. The other thing is it's strange is the consumer mindset has shifted from what I've noticed is 
that in the past it was everyone was in a rush, everyone everyone had somewhere to be, and so speed of service was king, right? Quality of food is always important, yeah. but speed of service was something that we had a huge focus on. Like, let's get people through. They're always in a rush, you know? What's the ticket time? Is it four minutes? Is it five minutes? How can we make that better? Now, it's like you mentioned before, you know, when you take your family out to ice cream, that's kind of like your event for the day. Everyone's quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> so nobody, I get every single customer complaint comes to my email. And I, I don't think I've seen one speed of service complaint, even though things may be taking longer, lines are longer. We have less people working at the restaurants. Uh, everyone is just happy to be getting getting their food and having a positive experience. Yeah. And thank you guys for wearing masks and thank you guys for prioritizing my safety. And our core customer has continued to come by and, you know, they're, they're the lifeline of our business. So it's just, there's a lot of positivity out there, which is great. That's excellent. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, as we understand as a brand, it appears you've come weathered the storm really well and you're come out of it even maybe possibly stronger than you were before with deeper customer relationships, better focus on which parts of the business model work. You're still highly differentiated and you have a lot of upside. You know, you were talking about Tasty Freeze being 10% of sales. There's no reason that won't grow in the next years to 30 or even 40% of sales as it continues to grow as people have discovered your nostalgia kind of comfort food products again. Wait, why, why is now in this next part of this year, why, why would you think now is a good time to really think seriously about opening and owning Wiener Schnitzels if you're in a market where we're not operating? I mean, there's a couple of reasons. One, this is the time in history where your competition is at an all-time low. I mean, I heard an economist talk and he said, there's around a million restaurants in the United States. Only 750,000 of them will survive this pandemic. That means 25% of your competition has been eliminated. Now that's very sad, but it's just a reality, according to this economist. But I mean, so one, your competition is lower. So you have better penetration in the market for your brand. The second is we have proven that we are pandemic proof. And in a time, in a recession, historically, QSR restaurants have survived. So not only survived, but done really well. I mean, if you look at the past month of our sales, we're hitting record sales. We're up over 20% where our QSR competitors may be flat or down double digits. And so the Wiener Stencil brand seems to be thriving. We're auditioning new customers every day. We're getting higher and higher demand for franchising in different markets around the United States. I mean, it's pretty cheap to borrow money right now if that's the route you need to go to open a franchise. I mean, this construction costs are lowering. This is the perfect time to open a franchise, in my opinion. I mean, kind of, you know, in, in tragedy, Sometimes there's a there's a bright side to it, and if you're looking to start a business, I don't see a better time than now. That's right. Yeah, and if now is if anything else, it's an amazing time to eat more hot dogs for sure. <laughs> well, um, I mean, Jr., thank time. you so much for the time. Every time is an amazing time to eat more hot dogs for sure. <laughs> I love the way, I love that I've been in your office, and I love the way your mom pounds the desk and says, "Eat more hot dogs," and she's really serious about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's very serious. <laughs> Well, great. Well, JR, thank you so much for the time. This has been a, an amazing conversation, and we're really uh, excited no. about yeah, the future you. of your brand. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Wiener Sizzle Franchise Development Podcast. If you're interested, if you're a food service operator, if you've been a franchisee before, if you have management experience and you want to own a team and you want to open a highly differentiated, super fun, um, amazing business to run, um, check out wienerschnitzelfranchise.com and learn more about this opportunity. We're expanding in a bunch of new markets today, and it's never been a better time to become a franchisee in the Wiener Schnitzel and Tasty Freeze brand.